Ralph broke Facebook. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello, and welcome back to Perpetual Traffic, episode number 71. We got all three of us back today, Molly, Ralph, myself. How are you guys doing? Woo! Good. Good, good, good. Real good. Yeah, I'm in Austin. Molly's in Austin. Ralph's in Boston, up in Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. But me and Molly are like 25 minutes apart, which, you know, still feels like... Miles away. All good, all good. We're stoked to go through another episode with you guys. On today's episode, we're going to be doing a follow-up to episode 69. Episode 69 was how to structure a high-converting Facebook ad campaign. And today, Ralph is going to be revealing the Michigan method. In a minute, he might be uh, telling you where that came from and, and why it's called that. But today is really going to be focusing on a lot of you out there that are asking questions like, how do I really, really control what's happening with Facebook? Sometimes they're not showing all of my ads. They're not displaying all of my ads. I'm having a tough time scaling out my campaigns. If you're in that situation, if you're having problems with controlling how many impressions Facebook's giving different ads, or just in general, you know, if you're raising your budgets and your conversion costs are skyrocketing, you feel stuck. You feel like there's no way to do it. Within the agency, Ralph and the team have really been testing a lot of different methods by not only just working with different clients, but also with you know, talking with a lot of the high level people that we have in the industry as well. So I think Ralph, best way to get started is what the heck is the Michigan method and where the heck did that come from? Good question. <laughs> by the way, Ryan Dice actually told us to, uh, to keep that as a name. Initially, we thought it wasn't cool enough. And Ryan said, yeah, it is cool because people wonder what the heck is that thing? That's probably why you clicked on this episode to listen. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. The Michigan Method. Let me just tell you a little bit about what it is, because I think the first time we, we created it, we did it. That's where the name came from, so I'll I'll leave that hidden for right now. But the goal of the Michigan Method is to control what we kind of refer to as the uncontrollable. If you've been running Facebook ads for any period of time, or if maybe if you're just first starting, episode 69 is a good place to start on this. And this is definitely a next-level strategy above and beyond what episode 69 does talk about. And that talks about testing independent variables to see what works and taking control back from Facebook, from the Facebook ad platform, so that you can get the best result possible by testing as many things as possible in a scientific way. So base level, definitely listen to the episode 69. Once you start getting ROI, once you start putting in a dollar and getting a dollar one out of it, or maybe a dollar five, you know, at day one, or maybe at 30 days, now you're at the position where you can actually start to scale because whatever you're doing, your message is starting to work. It's starting to resonate with those audiences. And that's where the Michigan method really comes into play. So this is not a starting strategy. If you're just starting in Facebook ads, I'm just going to say that over and over again here so you don't get confused because there's a lot of information here and it can get very, very confusing. So base level, go back to 69 and, and sort of work that way. So what we were always trying to do with our advertising inside the agency is to get what our customers really want, which is is most people hire us because they want to scale their ads up, they want to scale their Facebook spend, and they want to maintain their ROI, if not 
expand that ROI. So in our terms, we're looking at return on ad spend, which we call a ROAS, which is really ROI based upon how much you're spending. So that's the main goal for all of our customers who come on board with us. You guys hire us as an agency. We want to scale up 10x what we're doing right now and make as much money as possible. Back when we were first starting, and this was actually, uh, I give a lot of credit to this, to Vladimir Gonzalez, a guy on our staff, Vladdy. 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 <laughs> um, the unyielding, as we call him in the agency. He is uh, part of the creator of the Michigan method along with myself, but I mean, I give him a lot of credit for, for coming up with this because he noticed we were doing a campaign, which we were spending anywhere between about five to $10,000 a day. And we kept spending more. We kept expanding our budgets. We would say, let's start off with like a $50 a day budget. And then we would expand it maybe to $60 a day and then wait three days. And then we would expand it maybe to you know $75 a day and then wait a few days. We noticed that whenever we would start growing our budget, which we now refer to as budget scaling, our CPAs started to expand as well. So not exactly the type of thing that you really want. So this is typical with Facebook. Maybe they'll get this fixed at some point in time, but in the here and now, in the end of 2016, that's the way it is. We realized that that was an issue. So we had remembered way back when we had first started working together about three years ago when Facebook had campaigns and just ads. There was no ad set. If you can remember back to those days of the dinosaur, it seems like way, way back now. The good old days. The good old days. Back before they had newsfeed ads. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of changes since then. But we had one customer, and um, this was, I think, our first customer that we actually worked on together, Keith. And what they would do is they would actually give us 30 or 50 or 100, if not 200 interests, and test each one independently in its own campaign. So one campaign, one ad. Wow. Sometimes it was like 250 at oh. interest. This is before lookalike audience. This, yes. this shows you how much interest research you can do. Okay. This is a client that did a lot of, spent a lot of time. He knew his audience and he also spent a lot of time in Facebook looking at targeting potentials. And then just, he would just build out a Google spreadsheet and then give us the interest that he wanted to, to target. But mm -hmm. we'd split those up into different ads. Yeah. Yeah. And what made it even worse, <laughs> sorry, but this was a nightmare is that let's say they gave us a spreadsheet of 250 different ads, like the like grid, I think it was called, Keith, I forget exactly the name. But what made it even worse is that for each ad, for each campaign and ad, remember, no ad set back in these days, uh, there was a different affiliate link. So not only do we have to create 250 ads and 250 campaigns, but we had to create 250 individual ads with its own unique URL a nightmare scenario if you're doing this on your own. So that's when we started to enlist the help of Vladdy. So he actually came on board specifically for this customer. But the beauty of this method was that each one of these ad sets, the customer only wanted us to spend about 5 or $10 a day. That was it. So 250 times $10 a day, let's say, that's a fair amount of daily ad spend. And then what we would do is we had a, a CPA goal. I think in that case, it was like 3 to $5 for a, a lead. So we would just pause the ads as they were, you know, going over our CPA of like our target, how much we wanted to pay for a lead, which was $3, $5. I forget exactly the, the figure. But the point was, is way back then we had a lot of control. So fast forward three years, we're now in this campaign that we're spending five to 10K a day and we don't have any control. So Vlad, to his credit, said, hey, remember way back when, when we used to do this stuff, you know, our first campaign we ever worked together, we would do all this. And this 250 campaigns, one ad per ad set, 
why don't we start doing that? And I said, yeah. And why don't we test maybe three or four different variables on the ad itself? And he said, yeah, that's even better. And then why don't we test the placement? Not necessarily mobile, desktop, and right-hand column all in one campaign, but we separate those out and create individual campaigns. So now we're testing placements. You know, somebody responds to a desktop ad differently than they would a mobile ad, differently than they would a right-hand column ad. So let's separate those out into three different campaigns. Inside each one of those campaigns, we would then test 30 interests. So 30 interests times three campaigns. Now you're talking a lot of ad sets, a lot of interests being tested, but we wanted to take it one more level. So let's say one of those interests in those 30 interests is Tony Robbins. So another interest maybe is Ryan Dice, and digital marketer. Well, there's probably some overlap between those two to a certain degree, but we want to test them independently. But we also want to test what message, maybe what image, creative, maybe what ad copy resonates best with the Tony audience versus the Ryan Dice audience. So we said, well, why don't we create three variations of ad copy and then three variations of the image? In this case, actually, the first one we did was three videos. Doesn't matter what your creative is. So it's three videos, okay, or three creatives, images, and then three different ad copies with slightly different hooks. And then we would target that exact same audience. So now we're looking at three campaigns times 30 specific interest in each ad set times nine ads, nine variations. Then we started to look at it. We're like, oh my God, each campaign is 270 ad sets. If you can do the math, 30 interest times nine ads, but each ad is targeting one of those 30 interests. Each one of those is its own ad set. Yeah, so in each campaign, you now have 270 ad sets. So it's nine ad sets. Each one of those nine ad sets has the same interest. And then you go to your next one. You have your Ryan Dyson, you know, digital marketer one. There's another nine ad sets, nine variations of ad. It's one ad per ad set. That's the key, one ad per ad set. So we did this for all 270, and then for desktop, I believe it's the first one we did. Then we duplicated it inside Power Editor and did the same thing for right-hand column. And then we did the same thing, duplicated again for mobile. So now you have three different campaigns, one for mobile, one for right-hand column, and one for desktop. In each one of those campaigns, you have 270 ad sets, one ad per ad set. So if you add all the 270, 270 times three equals 810. So I said, 810. I Googled 810. The first thing that came up was Flint, Michigan area code. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the start of the Michigan method. Our working title was, hey, let's call this the Michigan method. So Vlad said, yeah, great, perfect. Problem was, is that 270 ad sets inside Power Editor actually crashes the Power Editor. So poor Vlad. like <laughs> Ralph <yeah>. broke Facebook. <laughs> so he's got 810 ad sets. The poor guy, I was like, he said, Ralph, I remember he sent me a message in the morning. He's like, I've taken down Power Editor. I think I broke the entire platform last night. 
creating this method. So we soon realized that even though we were calling it the Michigan method, we now realize that the maximum that you should have in any campaign is 200 ad sets. So we typically will do a little bit less. We might do, you know, 20 different variations of, of interest and then nine different variations of ads, which make out 180. So still, that's a lot. So that's the whole evolution, the long drawn out story of what the Michigan method is. And, um, you know, we set the campaign live and right out of the gate, it did extremely well. I love it. I love it. And we can break down the math a little bit again, but for a second, I want to go up to a 30,000 foot level. Let's talk about Facebook, the algorithm in general and, and why this, this actually works. Number one is a lot of you might remember a few years ago when there was a big craze, a big buzz about, you know, getting penny likes. You remember that? You'd run like campaigns and the goal was to get new fans for a penny or less, you know, one cent per fan. And people would build up these fan pages like, you know, like a Tom Brady fan page or New England Patriots or Seattle Seahawks or, you know, University of Michigan or University of Florida. And, and then they would start to sell uh, T-shirts, right? They would sell T-shirts to these raving fans in the gun niche or, or anything like that. And I remember when that was happening, what happened was, is they figured out the algorithm was the key to all of this was to have super big audiences and small budgets, $5 per ad set, maximum 10. And then you would have, try to have really big audiences. And, and if you think about it, that's really still a part of the, the formula for this working. And, and if you think about, there's some principles that you have to understand with Facebook. And if you understand these principles about the algorithm, now also realizing that this changes and this will change 90 days, six months, which is why you want to continue listening to this podcast and, and be a part of our members areas if possible so you can get in there and answer your questions. But point is, is that Facebook loves large audiences in general, okay? Especially if you have a lot of data. So if you are generating conversions consistently, if you're using the website conversions algorithm that we talk about a lot that we use in 80 to 90% of our campaigns, then the larger audience you have, as you generate more conversions, Facebook, they're not going to put your ad in front of everybody in that audience. They're going to start segmenting. They're going to start doing a lot of the targeting for you. But when you're first starting out, you don't want to probably start out with huge audiences because you want to discover which audiences are really working. For those of you that are the fact finders out there that have to do everything exactly like we say, and you're digging in and you're looking for every little specific detail, you've got to get out of that for a second. I want you to sit there for a second, close your eyes and just think, okay, I want, I'm going to listen to this episode and I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the key principles out of this. And then I'm going to take my specific situation and I'm going to do what I can do. If I know I only have, you know, maybe $30 a day budget or $50 a day budget, then I'm going to adjust this principle. If you understand that Facebook works really well when you give it more time and a bigger audience to go out and, and find the right people, that it can work better in the long run. But there's other times or there's situations where you're in the discovery phase where you want to have these a little bit smaller audiences so you can see how these different interests do against each other. The other thing that it's interesting is, is I know we're testing different interests, right? Like Tony Robbins against Digital Marketer. And you have a lot of different ad sets. And it's great because we get to test them against each other. But guys that understand split testing are like pulling their hair out right now. Like that's not a true split test because if there's 500,000 people like Tony Robbins and 500,000 people that like Ryan Dice, then there, there's, there's actually an overlap. There's probably 100,000 of those people that like Ryan Dice and Tony Robbins. 
However, yes, you can do all the exclusions if you want, if you want to do a true split test. But sometimes we've we found that it's, first of all, easier to manage to just have them on their own, Tony Robbins on his own, Ryan Dice on his own, and not do any exclusions just because for some reason it seems to work better. Facebook, yes, there's overlap. So the split test that you're doing is not perfectly accurate, but for some reason it just works better and it's it's easier to manage. Yeah, without question. You hit the nail on the head, but this is flexible. Like I don't think we do yeah. the same Michigan method twice in the agency. We always do it slightly different. For example, we might only have one video asset, okay? We might only get one video from a customer. So we'll split test maybe three, four, five, six different ad copies, which is fine. Yep. But the point is, is that we're not necessarily looking for a winner per se. Yeah, we are. But what we're looking for is testing what works and what doesn't. And the thing about the Michigan method or anything related to Facebook ads, and Molly can certainly attest to this, is that you fail an awful lot. You figure out what doesn't work. The point of just knowing that, just understanding that, you know, if you did set up a Michigan method and 80% of your ad sets failed or they were over your target CPA, let's say you wanted to get a $2 cost per acquisition, you know, and the majority of them are three, four, five, six, seven dollars that's okay. As long as you pause the ones that are above your CPA. And that's really, really simple. So what this allows you to do is because all the ad sets are basically on your screen in front of you and the day after you launch this thing, you can just pause the ones that aren't getting you the result that you want. And what we just call that, you know, I think this is from Perry Belcher. We, we starve the ponies and feed the stallions. Feeding the stallions is the scaling method, which I don't know as if we'll have too much time to get into that here today. But for early optimization, you got to remember that, you know, not everything that you put on Facebook is going to work. You know, if you get 30% of your ads to work really well, you're in the Hall of Fame. It's like baseball. And Ralph, I couldn't agree more. I think what's beautiful about the Michigan method is is really the structure. You know, it's setting you up to be able to test a lot of variables against one another. In episode 69, we talked about a very basic way to test. And that's the method you should use if you're just starting out. But if you have a little bit more experience, the Michigan method is a wonderful way to, you know, set up your campaign so that you can test multiple variables at one time. So whether that happens to be different interests, whether it's placement, whether whether it's bidding strategy, whatever you're interested in, whatever you think will really move the needle the most for your campaigns, the Michigan method is a great way to do so. I was actually able to hand over the Michigan method to an intern this summer, and he set up and scaled a campaign that lasted for a few months just based off of this strategy. So it's a great foundation. It's a great way to set up campaigns and really test different variables so that you can find the perfect ad. If you're familiar with the term of multivariate testing, this is really multivariate testing on steroids here because you've got so many different variables. You know, let's say it's 180 ad sets times three different placements. You're looking at, you know, 540, if my math is right, 540 variations, really. So you're not necessarily looking for, okay, well, it's the Tony Robbins interest and it's ad copy one image two that works best. That's great if you want to resolve that and say that's what you want to do. But our real methodology behind this is to gain control of the uncontrollable. Facebook will tell you, hey, throw all your 
you know, your placements in one ad set and split test, you know, four or five different ads on the ad set level. That's great when you're first starting. And I, I recommend you do that because it does give you information. It gives you some data, but it's not a true split test because as you know, if you've been running Facebook ads, you know, if you do have three or four or five ads in an individual ad set, Facebook picks one or the other, unless you have a massive budget for that ad set where there is some more actual split testing that's going on. Plus now they've got the, the split testing feature, which we talked about in the last episode. So getting back to basics here, this is a way to scale up and to get ROI. And it's the best method that we've seen to be able to do that. But like Molly says, it is really, really flexible. I mean, you got you to gotta sort of look at your data and figure out what you want to do. Maybe you only do 10 interests or five interests, and then you put all your different placements in one campaign. I have somebody on staff that that's the way that she prefers to do it, which is fine. She gets good results that way. As long as she doesn't mix like her image ads with her video ads, like that's the one thing that we want to make sure that we keep out of that. But the point is, is that it's flexible and you don't have to spend $9,000 a day to use the Michigan method. You can do it for a hundred bucks or so, but I'd really encourage you to make sure you get the basics down first. Make sure that your message, your hook, your avatar is really dialed in first by listening to episode 69. And then you can move on to this one after that. So Ralph, just to recap on the math stuff, and then we'll come into some other specific questions that I think people might be wondering about, like audience size and, and budget and, and how many they should have and stuff like that. So with the initial case that you talked about where there was two, 270 ad sets in each campaign, I just break down the math again with the 270. Don't worry about the other two ad campaigns, just how you got to the 270. And then let's bring it down to like, if somebody, let's say they want to either do a quick campaign or they don't have... A huge budget. So what would be the best way to start? And then what are some suggestions for budget and audience size? Yep, absolutely. And you know, if you're confused by the first part, go back and listen to it again, if you, if you can, but I'll try and break it down a little bit easier here, because the way that we build these now is a little bit different than the way that we first started building them. So what, what folks in the agency will do is they will actually create their first nine ads with one interest in one placement. So they'll create one campaign, Let's say it's, you know, desktop, for example, and they'll label it desktop. So that'll be your first campaign because you know you're going to create a mobile one, a mobile campaign, and you're also going to create a right-hand column campaign. As of right now, we don't use Instagram on this. We don't use audience network. Those are for other types of opportunities. So starting basic. So you create a campaign and create one ad set. All right. And then in that ad set, you choose one interest. Let's say it's Tony Robbins. Then you create your first variation on the ad level. So now you have one campaign, one ad set, one ad. So let's say you wanted to test three different ad copies, maybe one with a question mark, maybe one with a statement, maybe one with an ellipsis at the end. And a shout out to Russ Hanabury on that one. Um, <laughs> a big fan of the ellipsis. And Johnson boxes. That's right. So And Johnson boxes grease shoots. <laughs> so you create that first ad. So it's Tony Robbins. It's ad copy one, creative one or image one. All right. So you write that. Then all you do is you duplicate that ad set eight more times. Same interest, same Tony Robbins interest. Now you have nine ad sets, nine ads. So on your next ad, go in and relabel it. You know, use the same ad copy, ad copy one, and then maybe you do a different image, image two. And then on your third ad set, 
add. You then go into add copy one, image number three, change out, swap out the image. So now you're varying three images, the same ad copy. Then you do the same thing for your next three. You change up your copy, add copy two now for your fourth ad set and ad, and then maybe image one. So you're using the same image that you used before. Now you go down one more, you create your fifth ad set ad, which is ad copy two, image two. The next one is ad copy three, image two. And then you'll do the same thing for the rest of them, the rest of the three, which would be ad copy three, image one, ad copy three, image two, ad copy three, image three. So that's if you're using nine variations, which is typically what we'll try to do. In your case, you might want to do like four variations, two ad copies, two images. So it would be ad copy one, image one, ad copy one, image two, ad copy two, image one, ad copy two, image two. And that's it. So you've got one ad per ad set. And that's really the way that we structure it. Now, what's important with all this, and it's vital, we found, is that you use smaller budgets. Like we typically will go anywhere between five to maybe, you know, $100 a day is not a small budget, but in some cases, that's what we do. So we'll do typically five to 20, five to 30 in each individual ad set. You could go below five if you wanted to, but we haven't really tested that a whole lot. But the key to this is the audience size your audience size has to be at least a million, which is your potential reach. So it's that little thermometer that you see kind of inside your ad set where it says potential reach is 2.7 million or potential reach is 300,000. You want to make sure that your, your potential reach is at least a million plus. And in many cases, we'll go 37 million in that, you know, maybe 70 million, maybe we'll leave it wide open. But, you know, which is not necessarily a best practice. But the point is, is that this method really only works if the audience size is large enough, if the potential reach is large enough, because that way we don't see any cannibalization between all the nine variations. Well, and that way you're also not saturating your audience too quickly. Correct. Absolutely. With a $5 a day budget, you're not getting a million person reach. I mean, you're getting, you know, maybe a couple hundred people a day or maybe a thousand people a day, that kind of thing. And remember, we've talked about this before on previous episodes. If you have a question, hey, should I try this audience size? Is, should I, is this audience okay? A lot of people ask questions like that. If that's your question, then the answer is going to be try it. You know, create another ad set and test it out and see how it does. Super simple. And, you know, 24 hours after you launch this sucker, you want to go in, you want to starve those ponies. Just kill the bad ad sets. Kill your bad ads. Don't get attached to them. You know, these are not your children. <laughs> you know, you want to pause them. Even though you really loved ad copy three and image two, maybe that ad is just <laughs> sucking. So The ones, <laughs> the, the variations that win, in my opinion, are always the ones that I'm least excited about. <laughs> so true. <laughs> like when we're, oh we're creating a campaign, and if you refer back to episode 33 about the ad grid, it's a system we use for creating ad images and copy and figuring out your avatar, which all of this works really well with the Michigan method. Yeah. They really go together. It's it's cool. You know, we'll come up with the ideas for, for different creatives and different hooks and angles we want to take with the ad copy. And then when we test... Like I said, it's it's usually the ads that I call the the boring ads. They're the ones that usually win. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love that one so much. It's sucking so bad. Right. Why didn't you like my creative ad? Yeah. No world. So it's always worth a test. Like yeah. he said, if you're going to ask, should I do this? Just do it. 
even if you're testing it for $5, it's always worth a test. You never know. And we can give you guidelines and strategies. And that's why we're here. But we'll always encourage you to test. And the Michigan Method is a great way to set your campaigns up so that you're testing as many elements as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of a joke inside the agency. I mean, through our project management system, we all give each other sort of a hard time. But any ad or in the ad, you know, that I either write or help write inside a Michigan method, and I'm like really psyched about, like the joke is, is that's going to be the worst performer. And it (laughs) typically is the case. It's the one that I think, oh, this is just so great. This is my best ad copy ever. And I look at it, it's like a seven, you know, $17 CPA. You know, for a customer who wants like a $5 CPA. And obviously that, you know, is where we pause and we pause them right out of the gate as soon as they're 2x, 3x above what our target CPA is. So we don't lose the customer any money. Like, but we got to test. You got to give it enough. Um, and Molly brings up a great point about the ad grid in episode 33. Definitely go back to that one because in many cases, we'll create Michigan methods not to get even more complicated. Like we're talking about three campaigns, you know, 20 uh, interests in nine variations of ads. In many cases, we'll create individual Michigan methods for three separate avatars. So we'll then create nine different campaigns, all with its own independent copy. Like talk about, you know, testing on steroids, like that's crazy. But we get results really, really, really fast. And because you just never really know what combination of ad copy and image is going to work for which particular avatar, like which hook is going to work. And we've got lots of customers that have very specific avatars that are very diverse, very different with different pain points, different desires. And testing through the Michigan method independently is a great way to get the best result that we want. That's amazing. Do, 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 do. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. Great stuff. And, and just so you know, we recently did a webinar inside Facebook Ads University, our, our really continuing education members area, where we went through this same strategy, you know, on the screen so you could see stuff a little more visual. So we'll put a link in the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 71, where you can go do a trial. I think it's a 10 day trial. Uh, you can also go to uh, dominatewebmedia.com forward slash try. So T-R-Y, it's a dollar trial. That'll give you a dollar trial into Facebook Ads University, which is, like I said, it's ongoing. We're doing live webinars. We've also got a basic, we call it our fast start training inside there. It's not the full blueprint course, um, but it's a fast start, short seven module training. And then of course you can go in and I believe it was in September in the recorded webinars section, uh, we did a webinar on this exact thing, Ralph and I did. So if you want to go check that out, I highly encourage it. Things are changing fast. Same reason you should be, uh, I, I believe, as a member of Digital Marketer Engage. And that's where you're finding up-to-date things, what's working right now. All right, good stuff, dude, good stuff. Once again, uh, head to the show notes for any, any other resources at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Yeah. And we can't wait to talk to you next week. See ya. Thanks, guys. See you guys. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.